Well, is it hot enough for you? Yeah. Remember last week I said enjoy it while it lasts. Well, it's gone. So uh, welcome to the summer. Hey, uh, so good to be with you today. We're going to go into our time of teaching right now. And uh, if you're new here, inside your program is a message note sheet. Uh, you'll definitely want to take that out as we jump in and continue this series. And so if you guys are ready to go, uh, I'm all set. You guys ready? All right, let's pray. And God, we're just excited to be here, your people gathered in your name, under the authority of your word, members of your kingdom, filled with your spirit, uh, led uh, in the direction that you would lead us as our, as our ultimate leader. And we come today just to pray that you would uh, gather us now uh, around your word and you'd open and unpack it for us. We pray you'd come in the power of your spirit, speak clearly, speak profoundly, speak prophetically, uh, unleash a movement here at Rocky Peak in our lives lives this community. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today we're continuing this series that we've been in now for a long time called Jesus the King. And for those who are new, special welcome. Uh, every week, God's bringing new people, and we just want you to feel welcome. And, and so always at the top, I take just a minute to step back and, and tell you a little bit about this series. So this is a series about uh, Jesus of Nazareth. It's uh, the story of his life uh, and teaching told by a man named Mark who uh, was a close personal friend of the Apostle Peter. And so about 30, 35 years after the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, Mark writes down the memoirs of Peter based on his first-hand experience with Jesus, his life and teaching. And so what we've seen in the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus launches his ministry in the northern part of Israel in a province called Galilee. And, uh, and he comes with this amazing message that the kingdom of God this kingdom that God has promised for over a thousand years through the prophets, a kingdom of, of when, when righteousness and peace and love and joy and prosperity will reign, that that kingdom, when Messiah comes, that that kingdom is actually about ready to break into time and space. He says the kingdom of God is near. And then Jesus not only uh, makes this uh, bold claim, but he also backs it up because wherever he goes, he's unleashing uh, the power of his kingdom. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. It's as if the, the power of the coming age is like flowing into this current age. Well, one of the first things that Jesus did when he launched his ministry was to begin to recruit, recruit some key leaders in his movement. And so you may remember, it's back in chapter one, that uh, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee very early, and he sees two sets of brothers, uh, four commercial fishermen, uh, he recruits him to follow him in his cause, right? So Peter and his brother Andrew, James' brother John. Uh, we get to chapter 2. Uh, Jesus approaches a man who is far from God. He was a kind of a moral reprobate in that culture, uh, a man named Matthew who's a tax collector, and he recruits him to his cause. So when we get to chapter 3, uh, Jesus' movement is now expanding like crazy. But one day Jesus goes up on top of a mountain, uh, spends the night in prayer, and in the morning, he calls his closest followers to himself, and he selects 12 men to be the leaders of his movement, to be the apostles. So there, there are five, five men that he, we've already met earlier, and then seven newcomers. And uh, we're told specifically that they had a two-part job description. That part one is that they were to be with Jesus, they were to travel with Jesus, build into their life with Jesus, build a relationship with Jesus, learn from Jesus, uh, learn how to live the life Jesus is calling you to do. That was kind of part one of their job description, to be with Jesus. 
But part two of their job description was to join him in his cause and to to come alongside and help unleash his cause, to go out in his name, share the message of the kingdom, do what Jesus does, to heal, to, to cast out demons, and so on. And so, but up to this point in the story, we have not seen them carrying out that second calling in their life. Up to this point in the story, they've just been with Jesus. They're with him here, they're with him there, they're doing this and that, but they're, they're really just kind of part of his crew. And so today, though, we come to a turning point in the story, and it's a, it's a critical moment in the movement of Jesus historically, because today Jesus is actually going to release them to go out and do what he's been doing on a kind of a, a teaching ministry tour to prepare people, more people, to, to come to meet Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles or your apps or whatever you're using, uh, why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 6. And there in your note sheet, there's a section called Unleash the Movement. And so we're going to walk through what happens today, and then we're going to highlight a couple of principles for our lives, what it means for our lives as followers of Jesus, and what it looks like to follow him uh, in, in our lives. So uh, in chapter 6, we'll pick it up at, at verse 6, uh, in the middle of the verse, 6b, it says, Jesus uh, went around teaching from, villages, uh, from village to village. Now, this is, of course, what he's been doing all through the Gospel of Mark. We've seen this from chapter 1. Uh, he'll take these teaching tours. Last week, we saw him in his hometown, in the, the, uh, the little town of Nazareth. Remember, he was rejected there, run out of town. So now he's back on the road again, and he's back uh, going from village to village. And so, but today is going to be a historic day because something new is going to happen. So he calls the 12 to him. So these are the 12 men we met back in chapter 3. They're called apostles. And he's going to send them out in teams of two, two by two. And, um, and he's going to give them authority over evil spirits. And so basically, he's going to send them out to do what he has been doing, to go out and preach the message of the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom is coming. Uh, get ready uh, to heal the sick. We'll see that in a minute. And to cast out demons. So they're going to take his movement to a new level. They're going to expand it out. He's been sort of, they've been getting trained for this. Now it's time for them to go. And so Mark tells us some of the instructions he gave, and Mark gives us a very abbreviated version. If you were to turn to Matthew 10, there's a longer version. I'll refer to it later. But Mark's going to focus primarily on what the disciples are not supposed to do. So, so this is, these instructions that Jesus gives them are very specific, and it's for this particular mission trip, this, this trip. It's not for all time. We'll see in the book of Acts when the apostles go out, they don't follow all these instructions. This is for this period. Jesus is there for a very short time. He knows he's going to be arrested. Uh, time is of, of the essence. And so he says, on this trip, I want you to be very focused. And I want you to take a lot of stuff with you. And I want you to go to Costco and load up on all kinds of stuff and, you know, big wagons behind you and big entourage. No, just two by two, no backpacks, no money, uh, no extra clothing. Let's just keep it simple. I want you to stay focused and on track because, uh, uh, because our time is, of, uh, time is very limited. And so he, he starts off in verse 8 and he says, these were his instructions he says, take nothing for the journey except a staff. You know, it's, it's okay to take your walking stick. Uh, don't take any bread, though. Uh, don't, don't take a, a, a backpack, a bag. Don't take money in your belts, no credit cards. going to teach you how to trust God here. Uh, he says, but I, I do want you to wear sandals, right? So that's very important. I still follow that today. 
Uh, and so, um, and he says, but don't take an extra tunic, no, no extra clothes. Remember, in those days, uh, most support people only had one set of clothes. Anyway, so don't take any extra clothes. And so he says, Here, here's your strategy. When you go into a house, when you, when you go into a city, I want you to stay there until you leave that town. Now, in Matthew's version, uh, Jesus gives us a little bit more insight. And this will become important for later on. That uh, he says, when you, when you go into a new, a new village, I don't know who you are, you're bringing this message to the kingdom. Some are going to be open, some are not going to be open. What, what I want you to do is when you go in, you're going to need to look for what Jesus calls a worthy person. Okay? Now, a worthy person would be someone who's open to the message, uh, someone who believes in what you're doing and wants to help. And so they're going to open their home for you. They're going to say, hey, I've got extra room. You can stay with me. They're going to provide for you financially while you're there. They're going to feed you, take care of your needs. Uh, they're probably going to come around and support you in a wide variety of ways, speak up for you, gather crowds, do some PR work, pray for you. It's just, just look for a worthy person. When you find them, go ahead and just bunk down there, stay there. Don't go looking around for other, like, better offers, you know, someone else who makes incredible tacos or whatever. Uh, just, uh, just stay there. And so, so verse 11 and he says, and, uh, and if, if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, like Jesus experienced last week in Nazareth, he says, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony. And so what he's saying is that uh, this is kind of a symbolic, uh, it's a prophetic action. And what you're doing is, is you're just kind of taking your, your, your feet here and you're just like shaking it, right? And, and what you're doing is you're saying like, hey, the kingdom of God has come near to this town. And you rejected the message of the kingdom. And so I want to distance myself from you because you're under judgment, right? And, and, and this, I, I'm doing the symbolic action. Say, I don't want anything to do with you. I want to distance myself because I don't want to be near you when the judgment comes. It's kind of a, a distancing thing. It's like a legal thing. It's a testimony against them. And so, uh, so, so sure enough, they go out. They preach that people should repent. Now, this, of course, is what Jesus preached. It's what John the Baptist preached. Remember when John the Baptist came, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Remember that? And when Jesus came, chapter 1, this was his message, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Remember back in chapter 1, we talked about repentance. We talked about the Greek word, meta noeo. Meta against, noeo, to think. To repent is to change the way you think. I'm headed one direction. I stop, put it in reverse, turn around, I go the other direction. In this context, I used to live my life for myself. Now I'm coming under the authority of God as my king. And so now I'm ready to enter his kingdom because I've come under the authority of the king. And so the important thing for us to remember is that there's no entrance into the kingdom of God without a core repentance where you come under the leadership of the king. And so they're going to take the message of the kingdom and repentance. They're going to do that. And they're, in verse 13, they're going to drive out uh, the many demons, just like Jesus did. And they uh, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So what I want you to catch is they are doing exactly what Jesus did. He preached the kingdom. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. Jesus says, go and do what I'm doing. You're an extension of my movement. All right, you're going to expand. You're going to unleash my movement. Now, Quick sidebar here, interesting, this statement that when they would heal, they would sometimes anoint people with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit or healing. 
Uh, it's only twice in the whole New Testament that's mentioned, once here, once in James chapter 5, where it says, if you're sick, call the elders of the church, anoint you with oil, the prayer of faith, if you confess your sins, we'll raise the person up. And so a couple times it's associated, it's kind of a little sidebar thing. But anyway, so they go out and they do what Jesus does. Now, uh, now, now Mark kind of stops the story here, it's his trademark, stop the scene, you're kind of wondering what happened, how to go, but he's like, stop, you know, start like a TV show, we're going to jump to another scene. And he's going to insert this, uh, this account of the arrest and the execution of John the Baptist, who is the first messenger of the kingdom. And there's a reason he's doing that. We'll come back next week, talk about that. But I want you to jump now to verse 30, because now, he's, now, now the tour's over. Uh, we don't know how long these men are out. Maybe it's weeks, maybe it's months, we don't know. But they're coming back, and um, verse 30, it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus. They're coming back. You've got to picture this. I'm sure they're all coming in different times of the day. They probably arranged that we'll come back on this particular date. And now they're all coming in at different times. And, uh, and then they're reporting to him all that they'd done and taught. So this is probably a great time. They're sitting around the campfire. They're roasting hot dogs or maybe not because they're Jews. But they're, they're around the campfire. They're doing s'mores. And, and they're just having this, you know, and Jesus should have seen this little boy. And he was sick and his fever. They're going to die. And we anointed him with oil. We prayed him and he was healed. It was so awesome. And, and this lady, she had this demon possessed and she was bent over. And we prayed for her. And, and so they're just telling stories. You know, in this town, they're so excited to meet you, Jesus. They're sending a whole delegation. They're going to be coming. Uh, they're kind of a tour group's going to be coming to meet you. And, and so they're just telling stories. It's a great time. And apparently, it was a very effective uh, strategy of Jesus sending them out because in verse 31, it says, then because so many people were coming and going, so now all these people who the disciples have been out there telling about Jesus, they're now coming in tour buses and so on. And so anyway, they, uh, they're coming and going. They didn't have a chance to eat. And so Jesus says to them, to his men, hey, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Let's get some R&R. &R. Uh, and it's a good reminder that for, for, for all of us, there's times in our life, there's ebbs and flows and in the ministry God calls you to, there's times and seasons. He says, take a break. Let's get away. Uh, you need to rest. You need to refresh, refresh. And so he says, let's, let's get away. So that's the story, all right? The story, the account, uh, pivotal moment in the movement of Jesus. They've been under his leadership. They've been traveling with him. They haven't really done anything yet. Now it's time for them to step up, expand the movement, go out two by two. Uh, it's very successful. They do what Jesus has done. They preach the kingdom. They cast out demons. They heal people. Very successful. Now people are coming from all over. The movement of Jesus is expanding. All right, that, that's the passage. Now the question is, uh, what are the principles for our life? as followers of Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about. And so there in your note sheet, there's a section that's called Unleashed, the Call and the Cause. And what we're going to do is just break it down into two big picture principles. One of them will spend a little bit longer. going to break it down into two subsets. Uh, but, but let's jump in. Uh, two big picture principles. Number one, the first thing that jumps out is the, in this, this passage is that Jesus calls us to his cause. There's that, that when you came to Jesus, um, that he had a plan, he had a purpose for your life, and part of that plan and purpose is to help advance the cause, the movement of Jesus, right? So, so I don't know when you came to Jesus. Like, I came to Jesus when I was four years old, right? Anyone else come to Jesus when they're four years old? Yeah, there you go, right there. Good job, Carrie. Uh, that's why we're in the same life group. Uh, we've got a life group for people who came to Christ when they're four years old. Um, <laughs> 
All right, so, yeah, so, so uh, some of you came to Jesus when you were 17. Any 17-year-olds come to Christ when you were 17-year-olds? Any 33-year-olds come to Jesus when you are 30? There you go. There are 33-year-olds over there. Uh, how many 45? Got any 45s in here? Okay, no, oh, that was a bad year. All right. Oh, there was one? Was, oh, right here, 45. Okay, good job, Don. Good job. 45, nicely done. Uh, anyway, uh, 66. Anyone come to Jesus when you are 66? Any? Okay, I don't see any, any takers. Uh, last baptism we did here, we baptized people a couple months ago from 8 to 72. Okay? Right, 8 to 72. That's what you want to see. Uh, that people come to Jesus all during times. But here's the thing. I, I don't know when you came to Jesus, but here's what I want. From the time you came to Jesus, there was a calling in your life to help him join Advance's cause. You see? You see, often when we come to Jesus, we think of it's more about us. We, we think it's more about my transformation, my sins forgiven, um, my restoration, my healing, my fulfillment, my purpose. And catch this, it is all about that. But it's more than that. That when he calls a man or a woman, he calls him to this incredible privilege of joining in his cause of being part of the team that unleashes the kingdom of God, that transforms people's life, that heals families, that restores people. Then we get a chance to be a part of that. Now, to set this up, um, I want to go back to chapter 3. It's there, you know, you don't have to, to turn your Bible, but uh, back in chapter 3, we saw this. That when, when Jesus first called these 12 apostles, we're told that he, there, there was kind of two callings on their life. And we talked about this at the time, that in, in the Gospel of Mark, the way Mark sets this up, is that the apostles are models for us. Sometimes they're models of what to do. More often than not, they're models of what not to do, all right? But they're always models. And so back in chapter, four, um, chapter 3, when Jesus called these 12 men, there were these two callings in their life. And I want you to see it there. They're in your note sheet. We talked about this at the time, but in Mark 3, it says he appointed 12 he designated them as apostles that they may be what? Mm-hmm. Circle that. That was their first calling. The first calling in their life is to be with Jesus, to know Jesus, enter into personal relationship with Jesus, travel with Jesus, listen to Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, learn how to live life like Jesus would live life. They're called to be with Jesus. And that, that's our first calling. It's a relational calling to enter into a relationship, do life with Jesus, okay? But secondly, their second calling was that they might, they might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And so he didn't call them just into relationship. Their first calling was to enter a relationship. Their second calling was to join him in his cause. And of course, uh, this becomes the model for our lives. Uh, and for Jesus, from the very moment that he first called them, he knew this. In fact, uh, if you go back to Mark chapter 1, I put it there in your note sheet. Remember, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he sees the disciples there, the, the four brothers, uh, the two sets of brothers. And he says in verse 17, there in Mark 1, 17, he says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will what? Make you. Now circle that. Very important. He says, uh, Come follow me, and I will make you into something. Like, you're not that thing yet. Uh, you're not very useful in my cause yet, 
but if you follow me, I will transform you and change you. I will turn you into something that will help me unleash the cause. Follow me, and I will make you, right? And so, so this is the, um, the, the same calling that he has in our lives. From the moment that you came to Jesus, there was these two callings. Now, the tragedy is, is that often we, we, do we don't understand this. We just understand the first calling. Uh, we, we miss the second calling. And so we want to break it down today and talk about what does it look like? What does it look like to join Jesus in his cause? And there in your note sheet, just based off of their lives, I want to highlight two things that it means, all right? So here we go. Number one, the first thing it means is to share the message, all right? That when Jesus called you, uh, that part of the reason that he called you was to be a messenger for him, to, to be someone who takes the message of the kingdom uh, to those who've never heard the message of the kingdom. Now, you're not going to do it in the same way that the apostles did it, right? Like, you're not going to right? Stop your job, leave your family, go two by two, uh, go out on a ministry tour, preach the gospel, ask somebody you don't know, can I stay with you? Uh, that's probably not. Uh, some of you may be called that way. Just don't ask for my house. It's all full. But, uh, but, but some of you may be, but you know, but probably most of us, that's not our calling, right? But here's what I want you to catch, that as followers of Jesus, we're all called to share the message of Jesus uh, verbally for him. Just that? What was the lot? What did I say? Verbally. Right? Can we all say it together? Verbally. Right. Yeah, so, so not just, yeah, my life is a witness. That, that's good. But, but if, if we don't put words to that witness and no one knows what the life is about, right? Okay, so... So we're all called. So, so what does this look like? Because it doesn't look like the apostles. What does it look like? Well, interesting. You know, the apostle Peter, about 30, 35 years after this uh, event happened with Jesus, uh, he's now an apostle. He's now uh, pastoring. He's a huge, you know, many provinces in the Roman Empire as an apostle. He writes a letter called First Peter to some Christians who are going through some severe persecution on how to share the message of Christ as normal, kind of everyday people, Christ followers, love Jesus, have jobs, have kids, play little league, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, how, how does this work out? And he, and he puts it there on, I put it there on your note sheet on 1 Peter 3, it's the longer passage. And so Peter says, here's how this works out as a follower of Jesus to share the message. And he gives us some great practical tips. And so here we go. He says, in your hearts, he says, the first thing you need to do is you need to set apart Christ as what? Lord. Lord. Okay. So in other words, before you start talking about Jesus, you need to be following Jesus, right? Because, because like, why should I follow your God if you're not even following your God? Okay? So, so the first step is to set apart Christ as Lord. Come under his leadership. Let him transform and lead and guide your life, and now you'll have something to share. Okay, so we're going to set apart Christ as Lord. That's the first step. And then, and then he says, then secondly, always be prepared. So we're always going to be ready to give an, a what? An answer to everyone who what? Asked. All right? So to say like, so always be ready to cram Jesus down anyone's throat who's not ready. Is that? Look for any opportunity to slam someone with the gospel in Jesus' name. Right? That, no, he says, um, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who what? Ah, so he says, 
as you're following Jesus, as your life is transformed, people are going to look at your life. They're going to be watching you, and they're going to like, you're going to stand out. They're going to ask some questions. Hey, what's this thing? Like, why do you always go to church? Or, or what's life group you're always talking about? Or, or you, know, you're, you know, you're kind of religious. What do you think about that? And then, like, things are going to come up. Questions are going to be asked. So be ready when it happens. And he says, and, and so when, when they ask you to give an answer, uh, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks for the, the hope, this confidence in the future that you have. He says, but do this with what? Gentleness and we talked about this last week. We're not haters. We're not condemners. We're not judgers. We, we do it gentleness. We do it with respect. We treat people well. And, but we also, we keep a clear conscience, right? Because if you're sharing Jesus and they're like, you're not even living what you're telling me to live, that's going to undercut the whole message. And he says, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So here's what I want you to catch. But Peter, Apostle Peter is writing to everyday Christ followers. And he's saying, saying, here's how you live out being a follower of Jesus. You need to be ready to give an answer when asked. So last fall, if you were here, we did a whole series on this called The Assignment. And we talked about this assignment that Jesus has given us as his church to go into all the world, uh, share the message of the kingdom, when people come to faith, baptize them. It's the first step into the kingdom. Uh, and then and teach them how to obey everything that he said. And we've talked about that. And, and in that series, uh, one of the examples we looked at was, was Jesus and his relationship that he built with a man named Zacchaeus. You remember that story? Zacchaeus, again, kind of uh, a moral reprobate, uh, a moral, social, religious reject in the Jewish culture because of his career he'd chosen. And yet Jesus pursues this man, and he enters into relationship, invites himself to his house for dinner, uh, shares the message of the kingdom. Right in the middle of dinner, the man truly repents. He's going to change direction. And, uh, and then Jesus says this. He gives his own personal mission statement. All right, so there in your notes, right above there, Luke, Luke 19, right above the Peter passage, here, here's what Jesus says, his personal mission statement. He says, the son of man, which was his name for himself, he came to seek and to save what was what? Lost. Okay, so Jesus, you want to know why I came to planet Earth? I came to seek and to save lost people. People that don't have a clue, people on the wrong track, people are off base, people are blinded. That's why I've come. So here's what I want you to catch. The moment that you came to Jesus, you become part of his calling to reach out to people who don't know Christ, the kingdom, and help them to come. And so we talked about this last, last fall. We talked about our one lives, right? And, and, and we asked this question, who are the people in your life that God is already pursuing, just like he was, Jesus was pursuing Zacchaeus? Who are those people that he's already pursuing that God wants you to begin to pray for on a regular basis? that God wants you to begin to build relationship, to seek relationship like Jesus did with Zacchaeus, to be a true friend, to love them well. So when the time comes and they ask questions, like Peter says, that you can answer those questions. You can share a little bit of your story, what Jesus has done in your life. You can share a little bit of God's story, of what he's done in Christ. You can invite them here to Rockville and come and see or to, to encourage them to go to a church in their area to come and see.
See? And, and so what, we, what we, we learned is that as followers of Jesus, this is part of our core calling. It's part of what it means to be part of his, uh, Christ's followers, to join him in his cause. And the first way we do that is by sharing the message, right, vocally. Number two, the second way that we share the cause, though, uh, that we, we help promote the cause, is we share our gifts. And so we not only share the message, we share our gifts. So, for example, uh, when the apostles were sent out, Jesus gifted them, didn't he? He gave them certain spiritual gifts. Like he gave them gifts of teaching and preaching, he gave them gifts of spiritual discernment, discernment of spirits, and the, the power to cast out demons. He gave them the ability to heal the sick. So these are the spiritual gifts. Now, what the Bible teaches is that when we come to Jesus, and sometimes later in our lives as well, that he gives each of us certain supernatural spiritual abilities, the New Testament calls them spiritual gifts, to help advance the cause of Christ. Now, your gifts may be spectacular, like the apostles' gifts, or they may be less spectacular, like some of the gifts that are laid out in the New Testament, gifts like administration, uh, organization, um, uh, uh, leadership. Um, could be uh, mercy, encouragement, helps, right? So, so they, they might be more spectacular, might be less spectacular, but they're all equally supernatural and equally important. And what the New Testament says is that is, is as we all use our gifts, it's that the movement of Jesus is unleashed. Okay? So, so I want to I kind of flesh this out a little bit. And I want to do it from the story today, from the account today. You know, one of the advantages that comes when you teach the word, like I have the privilege of doing, is, is you get a chance to really think deeply about a passage. You know, you get, you get a chance because you're just really, you're spending a lot of time with that. You're reading it, you're studying it, you're praying, it's just a lot of time, and you get to kind of visualize it. It's one of the, the advantages. And, and I think we, we kind of, we can read over a passage like this and miss the obvious. But I want you to tell, I want you to go back to what Jesus said was his strategy. He sent out his men in pairs, teams of two, and he said, when you go into his town, you're gonna be, it's going to be a new town, you're not going to know anyone there. He says, the first thing I want you to do in Matthew 10, so the first thing, I want you to look for a worthy person. Remember we talked about that? And so, so what's a worthy person look like? Well, there's going to be some people uh, in the town that aren't open to the, the kingdom message at all, right? There's going to be some that are. This worthy person is going to be a person who's open to the message. And like I said before, they're going to be willing to help financially support that. They're going to they're say, you know what? I've got a home uh, I know you don't have any food. Remember, they don't have any food, credit cards, whatever, no bread. So I've got a home. Uh, why don't you come live with me? Uh, I will provide for you. I'll give you the meals. And so we're going to provide for them. Uh, they're probably going to pray with them over this mission. They're probably going to share with their friends. I'm really excited about this. You should come hear these guys speak. They're, uh, they're probably going to defend the apostles when others in the town are these crazy guys. Oh, they're talking about. No, really, see, they're in my house. I know them. And they're going to speak up for them. So, so are you with me? They're partnering. Now, here's what we often miss, that without these worthy people, there would be no ministry of the kingdom. Because the reality is, if the apostles came in, they've got no food, no place to stay, what are they going to do, right? There's going to be no ministry in that kingdom. And so together, the apostles with their gifts are going to partner with the worthy people and their gifts 
And together, they're going to impact and unleash the kingdom. Are you with me? You following how this works? Now, let's talk about our, let's talk about, let's talk about here at Rocky Peak. How does that apply here? Well, here at Rocky Peak, God's given us a vision. And that vision is to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers, right? But to do that, it's going to take all of our gifts. Like, like we all have to join the cause of Jesus. We, we all have to use our gifts. So, for example, uh, let me just take one uh, obvious example. Here at Rocky Peak, one of the keys to our strategy of unleashing the movement is what happens at our weekend services. This is where we start together, right? Because, because every weekend we gather together as followers of, and we grow together. And we learn together how to obey everything that he's taught us. And we refill our spiritual engines. We get filled up and, and we strengthen one another. And we encounter the presence of God in worship. And we pray together and we, we catch up briefly with our friends, probably from our life groups or other places. And, and, and we just get recharged and refocused and encouraged. And so what, what ha- and, the, and it's the weekend services that typically we're going to invite our one lives to, right? This is typically, they're usually not going to come through our small group. They're usually going to come through uh, the weekend services. A couple weeks from now, I'll, I'll share a story, uh, maybe in a letter I think I'm going to write to you, um, about uh, just kind of get updated on this whole assignment thing and the project or whatever. But, but uh, I'll, I'll share a story in there, this incredible story about this, this young man, young 30s, uh, you know, recently came to Rocky Peak by Easter, unchurched background, but his, he was a one life of someone that, that is in our church, and they invited him to come, and, and he met Christ here, and his life has been transformed, and he's got it's just, it's just it's an incredible story. It's happened in the last couple months. It's, it's the way it often happens, right? This, this is the place where one life comes. Okay? So let's talk. This is, this is, here we are, the movement of Jesus, weekend services is where we start our journey. It's how we start unleashing the movement. And so let's think about but the gift mix it takes to make that happen, all right? So, so how many teachers, you know, we often think of weekend services, we think of what happens up here on this platform. How many teachers does that really take, right? So like for us, it takes what, two or three? We got myself, we got Dre, we've got Dave, and pretty much got that covered, you know? They may have special uh, speakers sometimes, but it's pretty much covered, right? And so it only takes about three people, but, but to create this environment, right, to create a place where we can, we can meet and, and, and we can worship and we can counter God, it's going to take kind of a technical arts, a worship arts team, right? And so it's going to be people doing lights and PowerPoint and sound. It's going to uh, take musicians on the stage and vocalists and all kinds of things. And so you add that in, and these are real numbers. Now, I'm not making up these numbers. I actually did research this week. So, so that's going to take about 50 more people to, to do that, right? Okay, but, but when you invite someone to Rocky Peak a One Life, you want them to be welcomed well, don't you? you want, it's, it's a scary thing to come to church. If you never, like that, that person, that 30-year-old I was talking about, it's a scary thing to come to church. You know, I've never really been to church. And what's going to happen here? What are they going to do to you here? And, and so it's like, you know, it's like, oh, this is really scary. And they might ask me to read the Bible or something. I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to turn. And, and they're going to jump on me. And I don't know what's going to happen. So, so you want to be, you want to welcome. And so you're going to need people out kind of helping them know to park. And you're going to need people out there watching the cars so their stuff doesn't get broken into in their church because that's always a bummer. And, and so then... And so then you need people to greet them as they come up and, and, and people to kind of give them information at an information booth. And you're going to need people to walk their children to their classes so they're well taken care of. And you need people to, to serve them donuts and coffee to help their defenses go down. And you're going to need people to, <laughs> yeah, right, right, and, and help them stay awake. 
And, uh, and, see, and you, you, you can need programs, right? Programs to see what's going on in this, this thing. And, and, so that, and, then, and, that's, and so while they're in here, then you're gonna need, you need some people. So, well, the, that whole thing we just call first impression. That's what first impression. And that, that takes 204 people. I think 204 people to make that happen uh, every, every weekend. And so then, then you go out and you go out to uh, uh, their kids are in, in their kids' classes, right? And so you want them to have a great experience with people who love kids and love Jesus and help them uh, to help them connect there. And so uh, we've already seen today, all it takes 240 people from zero through fifth grade just for that. And then, well, what if they have a middle school, they have a high school? Well, that's going to take another 100 people for all the worship teams and the teaching teams and the outreach team. That's going to take another 100 people. And, and are you with me? Have you been doing the math now? We haven't even left our weekend service yet. Right? And so now we're going to go out into the week and we're going to launch our life groups. We need hundreds and hundreds of people who are leading life groups, coordinating life groups. And then, and then we're going to have CR and there's going to be tons of people that are going to be leading and, and CR and helping people uh, grow in, in, in that ministry. And you have youth ministries going on throughout the week and you have hundreds of people involved in those youth ministries. And then you have people coming into our campus and they're stuffing the programs for the weekend services. They're volunteering in the office. And we haven't even left Rocky Peak yet. Now we've got to go outside of Rocky Peak. We have to say, we're going to go down to Mexico every month. And we're going to reach out to people that are in high security prison and we're going to minister to them. And then we're going to go over to Hope of the Valley and help the homeless over there. And we're going to help a, a person's house in Simi. We're going to go to Uganda and we're going to, and then we're going to be doing things on our own here, right? We're going to be being foster parents out in the community and we're going to be loving our neighbors. And can you see what it takes to be the body of Christ? You see? And, and together we unleash a movement. But here's what I want you to catch. It takes every one of our gifts. It, it doesn't take like 20% of our gifts or 30% of our people using their gifts. That if we're going to be the church of Jesus in Chatsworth, California, we're going to reach these three valleys we've been called to serve and reach out around the world, we need every one of our gifts, you see? And so, so what I want you to understand is part of the core calling of being a follower of Jesus is not just being with Jesus, it's joining him in his cause. And we do that as we share the message and as we share our gifts. Now, number two, the second thing that we learned from this passage is that not only does Jesus call us to his cause, but he mentors us for his movement. In other words, when we, we come to Jesus, he calls us to join him in his cause, that he doesn't just call us and then we're now on our own. It's not as if you come to Jesus, you get some spiritual gifts, and he's like, okay, uh, go do it now. You're on your own. Uh, that Jesus mentors us in the movement. And so, for example... In Matthew chapter 28, this very famous passage we call the Great Commission, uh, it's our assignment, we talked about it last fall, he says, uh, there in your note sheet, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, I've risen from the dead, I've paid the price for sin for the human race, so now I'm king of the cosmos, I'm in charge. He says, therefore, here's my marching orders, go and make disciples or followers of all nations, Baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach him to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says this, and surely I am what? With you always. And here's what I want you to catch. That we often take that in a highly personal way, in a first calling sort of way. 
I'm a follower of Jesus. I've got Jesus in my life. His spirit is with me. He's always with me because I'm a child of God now, okay? And of course, that's true. But I don't think that's primarily what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is I want you to go into all the world and dance my cause. And as you go, I want you to know that I will be with you every step of the way. You see? He's not just with us generically. He's with us as we advance the cause. And you see this in the life of his men. Like when he, he invites, he calls Peter, James, John, Andrew to follow him, he says, he doesn't just say, hey, follow me. And we're like, okay, we will, great. I want you to go out on a mission now. Here's what I want you to do. No, he, he says, follow me and I will what? I will make you into something, right? Follow me, I will make you. And then when the time is right, which comes in chapter six, I will send you out, you see? So, so we follow, he mentors, he makes us, he sends us out. And so, so we don't have to make ourselves something, we just have to follow, and then when the time comes, what we do have to do is we have to be willing when the time comes to pick up our staff, put on our sandals, and step out and, and go. And, and here's my big concern. One of my biggest concerns for the church in America, and I would take in us, right? We're part of that. What, one of my biggest concerns I think one of the biggest enemies of the church in America is distractions. Because we live in a culture of unparalleled distractions. There has never been a time in the history of the world where people are as distracted as we are today. Right? I think we're on our cell phones all the time, beeping this and beeping that. And there is something going on. There is 24-7 entertainment, YouTube, I got it going. I mean, there's just something, there's so much stuff for our kids and opportunities in the world. There's so many good things out there that my biggest fear is the good becomes an enemy of the best. And as followers of Jesus, if we're not careful, we can wake up one day and realize we're not really sharing the message of Christ with anyone. We've forgotten that calling. You know, we're really not serving. We're not using our gifts in any way. Like if I were to die today and, or move across the country, like, like if that were to happen in your life, like if you were to leave tomorrow, if you were to die tomorrow or move across the country, in terms of your kingdom impact, would anyone notice a difference? Like, would you, if you left, would anyone even notice the difference? See, we can get so distracted, so many good things, running the kids here, there, this thing, adult, eh, whatever, all the TV, video, all these things. But sometimes we can, and here's the big danger, is that we can, without even realizing it, slip into the danger of what I call consumer Christianity. And consumer Christianity is all about the first calling not about the second calling. Consumer Christianity is all about what Jesus does for me. He transforms me, he heals me, he leads me, he guides me, he puts my family together, he blesses me, all which is great stuff, right? But we forget about the second calling of what we do for Jesus. And here's the irony, here's the irony. 
It's as we join him in the second calling that we go deeper with him in the first calling. It's as we join on mission with Jesus that our relationship with Jesus goes to whole new levels. It's as we join on mission with Jesus, we experience the power of the Spirit. It's as we join on mission, he begins to lead and guide. Because why? Because he's with us, because we're on mission, you see? And, and so in, in a room like this, in, in, a, in, a, in a place like this, I think we've got different kinds of people. And so, so several of you, you, you're definitely on, tar, you're on mission right now. And so you, you love Jesus, you're growing with Jesus, and you know what your gifts are, and you know what your calling is, and, and you're using those gifts, and he's using you. And honestly, if Jesus were to come back, you'd expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done, you're doing what you're supposed to do. But then in a room like this, and there's a lot of us that it's not the case, that if Jesus were to come back today, honestly, we'd be left empty-handed. That, that, that we would really have very little to show for our lives, that, that we've been so distracted. And so, so here's the thing. Some of you may be saying, well, Mike, I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I, I, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't, I don't know uh, what my uh, calling is. Okay, I tell you something? I'm not as concerned that you know what your gifts and calling are. I'm more concerned with the condition of your heart. Because here's the thing, you, you can get on track very easily just by having an honest conversation with Jesus. What, where you go to him and you say, Jesus, I want to repent. I've been focusing on this first calling, but I, I've not been sharing my gifts. I've, I've not been sharing you with others. I, I've, I've been distracted, and I just want to repent, and I ask you to forgive me, and I I pray that you would come, and I want to follow you, and I want to take seriously that if I follow, you will make me into something. And, and, and I tell you, it, give me, show me a man or woman who seriously has that conversation with Jesus. I will show you a man or woman who will be mentored by Jesus. Like, I, I'm not concerned about you finding your way. Now, there's practical things you can do. We feel so strongly about this as a church that one of the essential courses that we've created here that covers topics we believe are absolutely essential for walking well with Jesus. One of the first ones we did was called Serving Sacrificially, Discovering Your Purpose. So you can go online, night or day, 24-7, to our website and take that course, how God's wired you, what, how spiritual gifts work, which gifts you might have, how to discover them. Right, those are some great resources. But the most important thing is your heart. The most important thing is, are you surrendered to Jesus and are you ready when he calls to pick up your staff, put on your sandals and go? And can I tell you this? Usually it will start with a small step. Very, very seldom do people go from doing nothing to a great calling overnight. It's not how it works. That in the kingdom, you grow just like a, a human being would grow in small steps. You just start small. It just starts with a nudge from the Holy Spirit, an opportunity that's presented, something that's in your heart. You know, for some of you, it's as simple as, is, is it, hey, you know this thing with kids ministry that Mike mentioned today? I, I just kind of feel like I should maybe check into that. There's a nudging there. And you just put on your sandals, you take up your staff, and you sign that card, and, 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 you, just, and you just start. It's just a start. But you know, one thing leads to the next thing 
leads to the next thing, leads to a discover of your gifts, discover of your passion, how God's weaving in, and one thing at a time, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, you are in full swing. You, you are doing what you were designed to do. You're doing what you're created to do, and it just started by a simple step, see? Now, this is important. You know, many times, I think, as followers of Jesus, because we've so missed the second calling, we don't understand the importance of this. We often look at this whole issue of serving or advancing the cause, we look at it almost like as optional equipment on the Christian life. As if we're buying, it's like, ah, just, I'll just take the base model. I want the salvation, transformation, you know, <laughs> that whole making a difference thing, that little too costly, you know, it's a little outside my budget. Um, just, just give me the transformation model, right? And so it's like, we, we look at it like that as if we can just kind of pick and choose. But I don't really think we can. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to follow Jesus. It's not like he's like, I'll be with you, but I don't want to be used by you, Right? That's not how it works. You know, the last week of his life, Jesus told a fascinating story, a uh, short story uh, that, that is it's inspiring, it is challenging, it's motivating, and it is frightening. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, he says, once upon a time, there was a man, a wealthy man, and he used to go on a long trip, and so he, he calls in three of his top leaders, his organization, he uh, he gives each from the large uh, kind of management portfolio, large, large capital portfolio to manage while he's gone. And it's different amounts for each guy based on their experience or their gifts or whatever. But, but he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to be going. I want you to manage this portfolio. Uh, work hard, see what you can do. Uh, and so then he takes off. So he eventually comes back after a long time. And, you know, the first two guys have done a great job. They've worked hard. They've been creative. Uh, they've used their, the, the gifts they have. And uh, they've doubled the capital investment. And so they're, they're richly rewarded. Right? So, so then uh, he calls in the third guy, and, and this guy has just been a flake. I mean, he's, just, he's, 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 not, he's not done anything. He's not worked hard. He's been lazy. He's kind of been fearful. And, and so he's, just, he's not done anything. And so the capital's all still there, but he's not really done anything with the gifts that he was entrusted with. And so the, this leader of the organization in the story, uh, Jesus is the leader, says to the man, he says, take this, and I want you to pay attention to these words carefully, Take this worthless person. Just catch that. This worthless, do nothing, lazy, uh, make no difference um, person. Take a word. And throw him out into the dark where there is, catch this, weeping and gnashing of which is Jesus' typical description of what? Hell. I'm not even going to get into all that. I'm just going to say, why did Jesus tell that story? Because it's the last week of his life. He's about to turn his movement over to his followers. And basically he's saying is, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Because cause someday... You're going to stand before me and you're going to give an accounting for the gifts, the resources that I've trusted to you. So don't screw this up. Like stay on point. Now, men and women, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your life. I I know we're a large group here. It's easy to find safety in numbers. It's easy to think, 
Yeah, he's talking to the person next to me. It's easy to think, yeah, no one really, that probably applies to everyone else here, but probably not me. But here's what I want you to catch. As surely as we are sitting here today, every one of us, it's just a matter of time, will be standing one-on-one with Jesus. And every one of us will have to give an account for what we did with our second calling, how we used to, every one of us. And I want you to let that sit in, sink in. Every one of us here, we're gonna go one-on-one with Jesus. He's gonna call us into that office and say, here are the gifts, the financial resources, the time that I gave you. I called you to join me in my cause So we need to have a conversation about what you did with what I entrusted you with. Every one of us. There's not one person in this room. You you can't sit there and say, yeah, that won't happen to me. That's not me. That's not me. Oh, good message, Mike, good message, but that's not me. No, no. No, this This is not my idea. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Right? It can't be much clearer. And so, and so there's not gonna be there's not going to be one person here on that day that you're going to be able to say to Jesus, you know, I never knew that. I mean, one person here is going to say, you know, um, I just, I thought it was all about transformation. I, I, thought, I thought it was all about salvation. I, I thought it was all about just blessing, right? And, and yeah, I just, I never, you know, I never, I never went to a church. They never told me that. I'm so sorry if I would have known. That I don't, you may have been able to say that before today. <laughs> Not after today. Not after today. And here's the beautiful thing. It's when we join Jesus in his movement that we come alive. It's when we join Jesus and we partner with them, we use the gifts, we touch eternity. You know, it's, it's when we begin to partner with him that our lives take on significance, something that really matters. I mean, don't you want to be part of something that really matters? And you know, maybe by yourself you can't achieve it, but with everyone else on the team, we can. Together, we can achieve something that will outlast any of us. T- together as a church, we can stand that we, we can see lives that because we were here or there on that day, families heal, lives transform. You see, that Jesus has given us the chance. I'm so thankful that when He saved us, He didn't say, Okay, save you now, I'm gonna sit you down and just wait till something good happens when I come back. That He said, He invites us to join Him in this life changing kingdom of God movement. What an honor! What a privilege. It's, it's, it's the key to our lives. And here's the beautiful thing is that you don't have to be very good at this. You just have to follow. Remember, follow me and I will what? Make you. And so, and so look at the apostles. They started off not real strong. In fact, as we go through the gospel of Mark, Jesus was going to get so frustrated with them that in a couple chapters, after he feeds the 4,000 for the second time, 
and they're still not getting it, he's going to ask them seven questions in a row. Now, do you remember what happened? When, like when your mother's asking you seven questions in a row, you remember, like, it's not a good moment. And, and if you were to take all those seven questions and you summarize it, here's how you'd summarize it. The one question Jesus is asking is, what's wrong with you? These were not the sharpest tools in the shed. Right? This one, like these are amazing people, but, but he had one thing going for him. They kept on following Jesus. And because of that, he took them from where they were to world changers. And here's the thing we often miss. You know, we often go to the book of Acts where Jesus has now left and Peter gets up and preaches that first message after, after, uh, after the Holy Spirit comes 10 days after that, after Jesus leaves Remember, 3,000 people come to Christ, and a week or so later, Peter and John are walking through the temple. There's a lame man, in the name of Jesus be healed. And we read these amazing stories, and, and we're like, that's incredible. Look how their lives changed. They were such losers. And then the Holy Spirit came, and he transformed them, and what winners they are. And, and, and there's definitely some truth to that, because you know, the power that came and the Spirit came was, was amazing. But we often miss the obvious, that when Peter got up to preach that day, this was not his first rodeo. That Peter had been out there on the trails with a partner, right, his coworker, going from village to village, preaching the kingdom of God for weeks and months. And when they healed that man on the steps of the temple, it wasn't the first time they healed the man. They prayed for the sick and they healed many times. You see, Jesus had been mentoring them all along. And it came a time where then he unleashed his power in them in a new way. And here's the good news for you. I, I don't know all your names. I don't know all your stories. I don't know what time you came to Christ or how old you were. But here's what I do know. The moment you came to Jesus, that he had a plan for your life, he had gifts to give you, and a call on your life to help communicate and pass on his cause. And the second thing I know is that if you will surrender to him for his sake, for the sake of the world, that he will transform your life, he will make you into something special. But for that to happen, you have to pick up your staff, you have to put on your sandals, and when he says go, you have to go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be, we don't want to be like those servants that were worthless. We want to have a life that's worthwhile. We want to be a part of something great. We want to be used for things that touch eternity. We want your name to be honored. We want to experience the joy of partnering with you. We want to have those times we come back to the campfire with you. We tell, we just tell you what's happened and what you've, how you've used us and Look what you've done in this church or this life group or these people, this neighborhood. Or We want to have those stories to tell, Lord, of life-changing experiences of your kingdom. And so, God, we pray that today you would be speaking to our hearts. You would show us what our next steps are. That as we surrender, you would make us into something great. God, we pray as we sing, as we worship, as we bring you our offerings, we do pray for the sake of the world. For the sake of your glory, we surrender all. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And may that, may that be your prayer this week. Lord, I surrender all. It's, uh, 
It's the path to purpose. It's the path to meaning. It's the path to fulfillment. It's a path to experiencing the presence of Jesus in our life where we embrace not only our first calling but our second calling. May he be clear with you as you're surrendered to him. May he mentor you every step of the way. We all have different life situations, different amounts of time, different amounts of resources, different giftings. It's a personal thing. It's something that, that he has to mentor you in. So may he speak clearly as you open up your heart. May he say to you, they're well done, good and faithful, just keep pressing on. Or may he say, here's your step. It's time for you to pick up your staff, put on your sandals. It's time for you to take a step. And as you take one, it will lead to another. And so whatever, whatever your need is, may he be clear with you this week. May his blessing be upon your life. May you experience his love, his grace, his mercy, his tender affection. But may you also experience his strong call, the strong call of Jesus that bids no competitors, that calls us to leave all behind, that strong voice of Jesus that empowers us to be the people we are created to be. May you experience that strength and voice this week in your life. And then we'll come back next week and we'll talk about the courage it takes to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.